From Mediacorp and One Up Media, this is Post Love. Essays on love, life, and everything in between. Maybe it's not marriage. Maybe it's love. I just hope that someday someone would love me. Well, because I've only loved one man. Love. I've got all lunch. I'm never going to feel no other kind of love. Love and sickness. Do you vow to love this person in sickness and in health for as long as you both shall live? That's how the question is phrased during a wedding ceremony. And the responses are always quick and automatic, almost rattled off with formality. However, when you are young and in love, does the truth and meaning of that really sink in? And how much of it do newlyweds take seriously? That's what I thought about as my brother and I had lunch with our pa, Kai, who is 74, who asked us to meet him one Wednesday out of the blue. He had chosen the day when our ma, Ling, 72, had lunch with her two sisters, something she did every week. For the occasion, he had gone out to buy food and bring it back to the flat which clearly meant that he wanted some privacy. It meant he had something important to say. My brother Hao is married. My name is Ying, and I'm single and work as an accountant. We have a sister, An, in between us. However, she lives with her husband and two daughters in Perth. The meal and chit-chat about this, that and the other was over by the time Pa got around to saying what he had to say. He'd never been the most communicative of people, always preferring actions to words, but he was always a good husband and father, just as mom has always been a good wife and mother. Growing up, we never ever had any real cause for complaint. But life happens, doesn't it? For some reason, how and I both felt something was alright. Pa took a deep breath, and my brother and I glanced at each other, anticipating how we would finally hear the reason for this strange lunch without our mum. I discussed this with your sister, and your mother and I have made a decision. We are starting the process of migrating to Australia. What? How and I said in unison, startled. Pa said that Ma was all for the plan. In fact, she wanted to be with her grandchildren. I looked at Pa, immediately suspicious. This plan didn't even sound like Ma, who loved both her sisters dearly and would never think of leaving them forever. But Pa, why? Why now? So sudden. For, for what reason? I asked, even while I heard my own shrill intensity. At this instant, our usually reserved, stoic and poker-faced father broke down in tears. The sight of our dear father so aggrieved, his face crumpled by aching sobs and drenched in tears, broke our hearts. At first, we did not know what to do. I approached him and stroked his back. Completely unaccustomed to such 
physical demonstrations. I'll stood to get him a box of tissues. We waited for Ba to get a hold of himself. It took some coaxing, but finally, he told us the whole truth. The reason they were leaving was because mum had been diagnosed with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. At the moment, she was still okay. Or at least, okay enough, Ba said. It was not yet too bad, but the change even in the last few months, he said, had been dramatic and worrisome. After some research, he felt that Australia was farther along in their treatment of this disease than Singapore was. He also thought that maybe if she had a change of scene and was in a house with grounds in a larger household with my sister and her grandchildren, she might be better off in the long run. But what exactly has been happening to her? What are... I stammered, searching for the words. What are the symptoms? She'll be confused. Won't know the day or the time, even when she looks at the clock. She'll have mood swings, fine one hour, raging the next. Last week, she got up early to make breakfast, way too early at around 5.30am. But she woke me up and so we sat down and ate it, and I cleaned up the dishes. But then an hour later, she was back in the kitchen, pots and pans banging. I asked her what she was doing and she said she was making breakfast. Again. Calling the incident made Pa's eyes fill up with tears once more. He stood and brusquely took the dirty plates and glasses off the table and placed them in the sink. House book clearly still in shock. But we just saw you both. Two weeks ago, Ma was fine, just like she always is. Ba shook his head and said in low tones, almost as if our mom was sitting in the next room and might overhear. In the large group, when she's out and about, she seems fine. Because she is fine. She listens more than she talks. She smiles and she laughs. No one can really tell at this stage. Which the doctor says is still mild. But if you live with her, day in and day out, you can tell. I can tell. Something is definitely wrong. Your aunties, they didn't believe me. But last week, after spending a whole day with her here, they saw. My heart went out to my father. I wondered how he had been coping all this time. I felt guilty that I didn't even have a clue that all this had been happening for the past month. You've been taking care of her all this time with no help? I said, feeling foolish for having to state the obvious. Ba brushed it away and told us what the doctor had told him. With the medication that he made sure she was already taking, Ma's condition could be stabilised. The disease could be arrested at the mild to moderate stage for a decade, maybe more, according to the doctor. But without the medication, she would deteriorate to severe and advanced in just a few years. Paul murmured, 
Does Ma know what is happening to her? Sometimes I try to tell her. Sometimes it feels like she knows. Right then, I made a snap decision. I'll move back into the house and help you take care of her, Ba. You don't have to move to Australia. That's such a huge adjustment. And you won't have us or the aunties and all your friends here, people who love her and would be willing to help. Hey, we cannot be so dependent on other people, Ba said gruffly. I can take care of her. She's my wife. Just then, Ma arrived with the sisters. They walked in through the door and into the kitchen, chatting loudly the way they always did. I rushed toward her and gave her a hug. She hugged me back and said, Oh, Anne, you're here. When did you arrive? Where are my granddaughters? Pa turned to wash the dishes, a blank expression on his face. This was clearly his new normal. And you, Ma said, turning to Pa with accusing eyes. Where have you been? Why weren't you with me? Why do you leave me alone? Pa turned to her and replied softly in a tone that was practiced and patient. Darling, I didn't leave you alone. I told you, today you were going to lunch with your sisters. And I was going to have lunch here with the children. That was yesterday, Ma snapped and hurried into a bedroom, deeply upset. We just looked at each other. Ba resumed washing dishes. I moved in the following week, and then I saw for myself how my parents were, day in and day out. And every day I felt my heart sink lower and lower. And yet, it amazed me the way Ba knew what to do and all the things he did to take care of her. It was evident just how much Ba loved Ma. And even though she might not know it, or was in one way or another not fully present, it was also clear to me how Ma loved Ba. As he told us, there were still quite a few days with lucid moments, every now and then. Ma would turn to me and say, I think something is happening to my brain. So sorry for your bar. Sometimes she looked at me and told me to go to my room and do my homework. Sometimes she called me An, my sister's name. And sometimes when Pa was out for his walk, his only break, she would yell at me and demand to know where he was. She was still able to do some things for herself. Papa had done his research about caring for someone in this condition. He brought her different coloured dishes so that she could distinguish the food from the plates. He took her on walks up and down the corridors for exercise, but also to parks and playgrounds. He told her stories and jokes and recalled for her the happy moments in her life. Finally, he would do games and puzzles with her, especially at sunset as this was generally a time when she would have her most frequent attacks. I was in charge of feeding her breakfast and her morning medication while Pa went out for his exercise. For mealtimes, it had to be quiet so she could focus. 
which was difficult because she was distracted and upset by his absence. That is when I had to be the most patient that I could be. When Pa returned and I left for work, he then took her out for an activity, lunch and then a walk, listening to her worry or scold or misremember things that she thought she had to do. Powell tried to come two or three times a week in the evenings. Each auntie came once a week, and one day every week, both of them came, which freed Pa and gave him some time to work the house or the bills. It was a system, and we made it work somehow. All throughout, Pa worked on the paperwork for their migration, while my brother and I tried to find all the ways we could to make it easier so they would not leave. We had applied to get a caregiver, and we were looking to possible daycare and government subsidies to help with the costs. We even met other families like ours, who shared with us the best practices for caring for her at home. At first, Pa was adamant that he would take care of her, but as months passed, he too saw that getting help from people willing to offer it was taking care of Ma too. He was a different person now, no longer the cheery, smiling father he had been. But I noticed that whenever he got a few hours break and some time alone, he came back refreshed and energized and ready once more to take up his post, sitting by her side, watching her favorite movies or just playing games together. Of course, we all knew that my father had the lion's share of the work and heartache. Sometimes he lost his temper with her, and sometimes she would cry. But we all learned not to argue with her when she called us different names or insisted that today was yesterday, or that it was time to go to church, even though it wasn't Sunday. A while later, Pa discovered that she became calm and more like her normal self when he played her favorite music. I set up an Alexa so that we could ask it to play her songs during the most difficult periods of the day. One day, my dad was late coming home and I was the only one left with Ma at dinner. I was feeling hopeful. It had been a good day and someone had called saying our daytime caregiver would arrive next week. But when I heated her food and got it ready for her dinner, she refused to eat, agitated, screaming and demanding to know where Pa was, who he was with and what he was doing somewhere else without her. I comforted her and told her, Pa would be back soon. She called me Ann, and then she talked to me as though I were her sister, and we were in the midst of a crawl they had years ago. My tears fell, but I wiped them away. I asked Alexa to play Ma's favourite song, and it seemed to calm her down. Where is your father? She asked me out of the blue, as if she had not been fighting with me. Who is he with? Why is he not here? Ma, I said to her in the same soft, calm and patient voice Ba used with her. Ba loves you with all his heart. You know that. He will never leave you. Ma was quiet. Another song came on as Alexa ran through the playlist that Ba and I had created for her. Ma brightened up 
This is our favorite, Kai and mine. This is our song. Just then, my pa arrived, and his eyes lit up when he saw us and heard the song that was playing. I left them in the living room and headed to the kitchen to clean up. After a few minutes, I glanced back and saw my parents. Ma in Pa's arms as they shuffled their feet awkwardly in the slow dance that they shared a lifetime ago, back when they first discovered that they loved each other, and how they would love each other in health and in sickness for as long as they lived. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Post Love, brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by One Up Media. If you would like to share some feedback or share your own stories, drop us an email. Our email is found in the description. This episode is produced by Yo Guangjin, audio engineering by Ethan Sand, voiced by Gloria, and script by Noel. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from Mediacorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Post Love.